Hello, everyone. I'm John Pataki, and welcome to Best One Since the Next One, the podcast that dives deeper than the full exfoliating properties of Titania's She-Hulk skincare line into pop culture franchises and the fandoms they inspire. Today, we're talking She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Marvel's D23 presence, and the overall state of the MCU. As avid listeners, you've probably noticed that the MCU is conspicuously absent from our weekly programming here. Not really intentional, but it is kind of revealing. You know, we're nearing the end of phase four, and I wanted to do a quick check-in on the largest longest running, most successful film franchise and experiment in the history of movies. To do that, I needed comic book expert, superhero historian, and co-host of the I Read Comic Books podcast, Paul Jaisley, to help me out. So welcome back, Paul. Oh, it's a pleasure to be back, John. How are you doing? He's here. I'm feeling great. Before we get into anything else, I uh, yeah. I took I took the plunge and I, I'm a Crocs owner now, which is like <laughs> something I never thought okay. I'd say about myself. And I got to tell you, Paul, my life... Oof. About 20 minutes ago, my life changed when I popped these bad boys on. <laughs> I didn't know you had sponsored ads for this podcast. So that's the copy you have for Crocs. That's, yeah, that's we impressive. went <laughs> we went from uh, like 20 listeners to being sponsored by Crocs in one episode. So. <laughs> Would you say they're killer Crocs? Is there a Batman tie-in here? This is Marvel, not DC, buddy. Oh, shit. All right. But yeah, welcome back. Last time you were here, speaking of DC, we were talking about Batman 66 with Adam West. Today, we're going over to the other side to talk about Marvel, namely She-Hulk, mm-hmm. a little uh, back and forth about the MCU at large. Just before we get into all that, like, what has been your relationship to the MCU from the yeah. from its inception? To be, to be perfectly honest, uh, as both a comic book reader as a kid and as a comic book reader as an adult and a, uh, a fan of superheroes in general, I've always been a bigger fan of the distinguished competition, as they used to say, DC. Um, And I'm a pretty casual, I'm a pretty casual Marvel fan. And that's the same thing goes to the MCU movies. I mean, the excitement of those films when they first came out, I mean, I enjoy going to see them in the theaters, but I've found over time, my investment, both emotional and probably intellectual has waned as it's gone on. I think that's one of the reasons I want to maybe like talk to you about that on the show is like what actually happened. Cause by and large, I enjoy all the films and uh, there's a handful of them I've gone back and rewatched and I, I really enjoy all the Captain America movies and I enjoy Black sure. Panther. But um, I found that each time they announce this new sort of rollout of films, each new phase, I find myself more and more uh, skeptical about it. And I've, I've found myself each time I go to the theaters or watch the movies at home, I'm finding myself less sort of... Um, invested as i said it's a weird thing to enjoy a film when you see it but then like never think about it after the fact it's so strange paul i'm not i think i've like you know i've rewatched all the films for like when infinity war and uh endgame came out and it's like yeah. beyond those like marathon moments before like a big new one comes out i never return to these movies like, and that's just <laughs> not in that's not in my dna i watch right if i love a movie i watch it until i hate it you know what I mean? I watch it until it's completely <laughs> yeah. just, I just ruin it for myself because I get so excited and so into you know, sci-fi or superhero movies. And it's like, you know, you know, Batman 89, I've watched, I could watch a hundred million times and never get sick of it. And, and, and it's just a, a very strange place we found ourselves in. I don't necessarily know that it's fatigue. It might very well be that we can hash this out a little bit more later in the episode, yeah. but like there is something at work here. And I think there's a couple factors at, at play, but there is something at work with the MCU in general, that's just very off-putting to me lately. When they when they when they announce new projects, I feel like yeah. I I sigh heavily instead of like yeah getting excited. My childhood was made up of these stories, you know, not necessarily the Iron Man or Captain America because those were arguably like C and D list characters before the movies. <laughs> yeah, but like, and it's interesting. The more I think about it, you're saying you know you're you've always been more of a DC head growing up and yeah. everything. When I think about it, you know, I largely was just invested in like the X Men and like Wolverine specifically. Oh sure, Hulk, yeah. and mm-hmm. really not, and you know Spider Man, and that's about it. That's really it's like I never had a really fully formed relationship with Marvel, and I definitely yeah. did have that larger pull to DC. You have, I mean, you have <laughs> Superman, you have Batman, you have Wonder Woman, oh, you yeah. have the Flash. I'm just not going to sit here and just list DC superheroes, but like the <laughs> the point stands. It's just like. My most of my childhood memories are made up of that, so I, I have this tie to, to Marvel, and I've loved, always loved comics. Really, these stories and, and franchises inform how stories are told to me. This in Star yeah. Wars, it's really fascinating to kind of think about that because we're, I mean, we're roughly the same age, and uh, you know, growing up, uh, I'll date myself. You know, I'm 40 years old. I was seven when the first Batman, the Tim Burton Batman movie, came out, which mm-hmm. was mind blowing. Because back then, I, I had the Superman movies, I had. 
the Batman, the Tim Burton movies, and the Adam West 66 film. And then and then eventually kind of waiting, and then finally like X-Men and Spider-Man movies show up. We're at a moment now that I never as a child would have imagined where there's superhero movies in the theater every month. And like it's almost like embarrassing and it's to say that I don't like it. Because I spent my entire childhood waiting for this <laughs> yeah. moment when there are superhero movies all the time. It's all I ever wanted as a kid is to watch these characters, you know, that I loved. And now it feels like almost like a chore to sit through them. And I'm like, I'm my eight year old self is just mad at me for being burned <laughs> out on superhero movies. It's like a monkey's paw situation. I very specifically remember watching your favorite MCU movie, Thor Ragnarok. Just kidding. Oh, Paul, yes, hate, yes. Paul, Paul hates that movie. <laughs> and kind of, you know, thinking I was burned out on, on Marvel. And I was like, man, I, there's just too many of these. Like, I'll watch Endgame and I'll be out. And then about halfway through, like, about maybe three quarters of the way through the movie, the Hulk is fighting like a giant wolf. And I was like, who, <laughs> who do I think I am to back out on this? Who do I think I am to think that this is bad? Like, this is all I've ever wanted to see. Right. But now we're, exactly. we're back at the point again where I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I can keep doing it, man. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll litigate that some more in a second. What I would love more of, and I can really take more of, is the current Marvel television show, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. More and more eccentric superhumans are coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> we are going to launch a division for them. And I want the She-Hulk to be the face of Jennifer Waters. Namaste. I have a serious conflict of interest. This man tried to kill my cousin, Bruce. Yeah, that's quite all right. Oh. People only care because I'm representing Emil Blonsky. I think they care because they're like, hey, that girl's green. Jen, do your thing. God, I really like this outfit. Based really heavily on the Dan Slott run, so far the Marvel television shows have been really hit or miss extremely <laughs> yes. hit or mostly miss uh with like loki i think is the exception of like everything else has been like starts off very interesting or not yeah. very interesting starts off very strong and then like within <laughs> two or three episodes is like what what's even happening you just forget you forgot everything you set up but you know like wandavision was decent until the last two episodes loki i thought was fantastic i still think it's probably the best of the shows might even be one of the best things that they've put out that Marvel's put out in general. Falcon and the Winter Soldier was like abysmal. I don't know. There's like <laughs> two episodes of that show that I liked. Hawkeye was fine. It was fine. Yeah. Uh Ms. Marvel was fine. But now we're up at She-Hulk. Am I missing one? I think I'm missing something. But it doesn't You matter. are missing Moon Knight, which I don't blame oh, you because that was yeah. very boring. Moon Knight was not interesting or fun or like no. you know, Ethan Hawk was great in it. I thought Ethan Hawk oh, was yeah. very good in it. Uh and I mean Oscar Isaac was great in it. It just I was like what what are you we even doing here? But regardless, we're now we're up at uh, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, and mm-hmm. you and I touched base on this recently. And we're like, it's really good. It's yeah. really funny. It's really low stakes. What? Tell me, like, how do you feel about She-Hulk so far? Like, what is your? What do you think makes it different than the other shows? So here, here's something that you might not even know about me, John. Jennifer Walters, She-Hulk, is one of my very favorite Marvel characters. I know that. It might be. Okay. Oh, sorry. Well, the listeners <laughs> don't. So, okay. Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, wait, this is new information to me. I had no idea. Yeah, she's up there with Captain America and, uh, and Ben Grimm for me. She's one of my all-time favorite Marvel characters. So I was excited when the show was announced. And then I think like a lot of people, when the first trailer dropped or the teaser trailer, I was uh, had a mixed reaction to that. And I hate to fault things for dodgy CGI because I know there's a whole backstory about you know Marvel, you know, in the in the working relationship they have with visual effects studios, and that's something for another time to unpack. I think, but it's still yeah. important discussion. I'm not brushing it off, yeah. but so I was very skeptical about the show, and I I don't think the Marvel by and large has handled comedies very well. I I was not a fan of the Guardians of the Galaxy films. I cannot stand those Thor movies uh, <laughs> that are funny, quote unquote funny. Uh, so I was very skeptical. I'm as surprised as anybody how much I have really enjoyed this She-Hulk TV series. It's pretty much exactly what I expected from the Marvel TV shows in that it is low stakes and it does feel by and large completely disconnected from the films. I mean, that's, I think was so refreshing to me. Whereas the other TV shows, I did enjoy elements about them, but as soon as they had to tie into the larger story of the films or the whatever, whatever phase they were in at that time, it took me completely out of the story that they were telling. And so far, five episodes in, She-Hulk feels like its own standalone thing. And that's why I've always liked the character, because she always, in the comic series, felt separate from the larger stories. 
and the TV show has the same appeal uh, for me. And it also is very funny. It is funny in a way that I, I, I enjoy so far. Genuinely very smart, prescient in its own reaction to She-Hulk itself, really yeah. calling out like it's, you know, dumb reply guy, like Reddit haters, like about <laughs> how can you give a woman a man's powers? You know, there's a whole right. stupid, stupid debate about like how they've emasculated the Hulk throughout the film. Yeah. So it's like those, <laughs> those idiots get called out very specifically in of She-Hulk, course. which could yeah. be very dumb and handled really poorly. But I think that they do it just enough to be snarky and fun with it. Tatiana Maslany is incredible. I think she's so funny and Great. charming, a perfect Jennifer Walters. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, it's not, you know, it's not completely detached, but it's attached in like a really fun way. Like everything yeah. with everything with Wong is so funny and so good. Great. You know, usually in these shows, we were saying on the Jurassic Park episodes that, you know, B.D. Wong's character, Henry Wu, like could not help himself from genetically engineering things. He was like, oh, I did it again. Like the creators and like the studio heads at Marvel, like people cannot resist ramping things up into a world ending scenario by the end of like a TV show. There's no sign of that happening here. You know, like you start off with like, you know, Hawkeye was pretty low level, but like by the end they had to like <laughs> defend the city from like the tracksuit mafia and stuff. And it's like, I just don't see that happening here. It's so, it's so low stakes that we have like Wong sitting on the couch with, uh, what was her name? Madison, like the Madison, yeah. drunk yeah. sorority girl. It's got two eyes, but not where you think. Uh, <laughs> It, it's just it's just not afraid to go full this is all so ridiculous guys like mm-hmm. the stuff that you love is ridiculous and you know every episode calls that out and i think it's really delightful i feel like you know when you're doing superhero stuff and it's not that i don't like comedic superhero material right but the thing is like it has to be come from a place of respect I and mean, like it can't just be mocking something for being silly because this stuff is legitimately silly and i like that when you do it it's done well it can point out how silly superhero conventions and tropes are, but come from a place of really admiring the stories and characters of them. And I think that's a very fine line to walk um, unless you really enjoy the source material. And I think so far I I get the sense that She-Hulk, they've captured what I've always liked about She-Hulk is that she's always had that sort of irreverence because, you know, um, they've, they've managed to do the sort of breaking the fourth wall stuff. That was a part, big part of the John Byrne era, sensational mm-hmm. She-Hulk comics yep. It's done really well without being over the top. And the latest episode, episode five was basically a commentary on the character She-Hulk herself, who was basically created to protect, basically created to like hold on to that IP in case due to the popularity of the incredible Hulk TV show, someone might want to create a She-Hulk. Stan Lee was like, well, we got to copyright that name before anybody else does. And they really make that was a whole joke in this latest episode. I thought that was like very clever. And like, mm-hmm. if you didn't know that history, you don't doesn't take away from the episode. But if you do know that, it was a really smart meta commentary on the character yeah. herself. So yeah. absolutely, yeah, ex- absolutely. And it's like, yeah, if you didn't know that that was a part of it, it's you still are treated as like really low stakes. Like, how do yeah. superheroes trademark their names? How do how do superheroes <laughs> not like go through identity theft and things like that? And it's like, yeah, it's just really it's it's really fun. And speaking to the comedy aspect of it, Thor: Love and Thunder did not work for me at all. <laughs> and I sure. I enjoy Ragnarok. And I was, you know, I was looking forward to it. I liked the style of it. I liked the look of it. It was two hours of the most grating humor and just Mm -hmm. it was loud and obnoxious and goofy to a fault. Goofy to a point where I was like, you're making everyone in this movie look so stupid. Like everyone in this movie feels so stupid when they're supposed to be like valiant. And like, I don't know. Thor's always kind of been a self-aware character post the Kenneth Branagh versions of the film. Even in those movies, he was still charming and like. I just don't know who that was for, really. They know what kind of show they're making here with She-Hulk, and they're taking that humor, and they're parsing it out where it makes sense. It's treated like a Boston legal. Obviously, the big comp is like Ellie McBeal with superheroes, and it's like, I'm here for that. I'm totally here for that, and I, I yeah. think it's a really great show. So when you said that you liked it, I was like, wow, yeah. She-Hulk, She-Hulk's pretty good. <laughs> like Exactly. So. I like it. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, like, I, I understand that the films and the TV shows don't need to sort of slavishly be adaptations of the comics. Like, I like that they oh, have yeah. their own distinct feel. But the thing that, like, I've always liked about the Marvel comics I've always liked the most are the ones that feel detached from the Avengers or the bigger storylines. Sure. They're sort of like C-list, middle of the, like, mid-tier characters where it is low stakes. They kind of be a little weird and stand on their own. And that's what I always liked about She-Hulk. There was that miniseries or the, the short-lived series that Charles Sewell wrote 
and Javier Polito drew from about mm-hmm. 2014. Like that's a fantastic take on the character. Sure. And it was completely unique and stood on its own. And it just felt like, you know, a, a mid-tier comic book. You like, you don't need to invest too much in it, but every time you pick up an issue, it's super fun. And that's what the show kind of captures. It captures the feel of reading that level of a Marvel comic. And yeah, I think that's hard to do. And so I'm really impressed that they were to pull it off. Yeah, I think I think a moment that really encapsulates the whole show is I think it was like in the third episode where uh, Jennifer's like walking back to her car and the wrecking crew shows yeah. up, which I'm like, yeah, yeah. shout out to the wrecking crew. I'm so glad <laughs> that they put them in the show. She's like, oh no. And then she goes, oh yeah, like I'm a superhero. I forgot. Like there's yeah. no, there's no defining rallying speech or like superhero <laughs> monologuing. She's just like, oh yeah, I'm a fucking superhero. I forgot. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I think that that's yeah. how they, that's how they treat the whole the series. I, I really appreciate that. It's about as, mm-hmm. it's about as low stakes as you can possibly get. And I think that's really what the television shows should be. The shows shouldn't be homework for the movies, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's exactly the, sh- the shows should just be like, what other fun things can we do in this little world or in this huge yeah. world? But like, what other little things can we do? So yeah, it's not going to continue in this, in this way because the other, the next shows we have coming up are like very like quote unquote serious and very like play into the larger scope of things. And it's kind of like, yeah, so let's hold on to this while, while we can and we'll see, we'll see about <laughs> well, the rest. But yeah, I mean, well, the thing is like, you know, the fifth episode's out at this point. So I don't think we can, I, it's fine to spoil, you know, this little teaser at the end. Oh yeah, and, spoilers, spoilers for yeah. She-Hulk: Eternity of Law. There you go. At the at the very end, you know, when they're at the um, the uh, superhero tailor uh, guy's uh, boutique, whatever, and like you, they, there's a brief glimpse of the the Daredevil helmet that he's like building. So it's like, oh, okay, they have to tie it into the bigger story anyway, and it makes sense because you're gonna have Matt Murdock, who's a lawyer, and yeah. there are great moments in the comics where Jennifer Walters and Matt Murdock have to argue cases against each other. So that don't make sense. But at the same time, I, my kind of like, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's still part of this bigger thing. They're gonna have to tie it in somehow. So we'll see. I think that based on the show so far, they can do that gracefully, at least. And not as ham fisted as, say, WandaVision did. So yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, WandaVision just fumbled the bag at the very last second. I was like, this is so cool. And then I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, OK, now we're flying around with giant like video game relics behind us i love yeah. the i love the uh the idea that um in the marvel universe the cinematic universe having magic just means shooting energy beams that, that's oh, yeah. what magic is that's yeah. magic buddy also everyone just gets a sling ring now everyone can mm-hmm. just use them well i mean we can get a little bit more into it now because i just <laughs> i wanted to talk a little bit more we've talked about like how it was you know it used to be like a treat to go to these movies and now it just feels mm-hmm. like a now it just feels like an obligation you know the state of the mcu do you care right now? <laughs> I have to say that I don't care right now. Um, <laughs> the benefit of the movies up until and up through um, Endgame was that there really felt like a direct through line driving all the, the characters forward. Like there was a story being told, laid out. Yeah, and some of those movies weren't great. And don't get back to revisit them. But there was a story that was invested in that those, they were slowly building. I feel like they haven't sure. had a central story like since then um the movies feel very disconnected but not disconnected enough my biggest problem with mcu films despite getting directors like sam raimi and ryan coogler and taika waititi they all feel and look the same to me and it's yeah. it becomes grading to a point and like the the joy of reading comics is that even if you're reading mainstream marvel comics every few months or every few years they're going to give a new creative team it's going to look different because they're different artists. You have a different take on the characters from the writers. And you can drop off. Like if Spider-Man's not working for you, you can just drop it in the O and still and read other comics. Like, unfortunately, I said I wasn't invested anymore. I'm still going to go watch these movies in the theater. It's this weird obligation I have, right? To my, right. To, like I said earlier, my eight-year-old self. Like, no, I owe it yeah. to myself to go support superhero films, even though like I, I'm not loving them as much as I, I, I should maybe or I feel like I should. There's like, there's because of all the like the shady like underpinnings of like creators not getting paid for mm-hmm. story idea and it's like once you start yeah. thinking about the adult side of things like <laughs> the actual like real world of like capitalism and how things are basically stolen and then the most like profitable thing is the movies yeah. and the comic comic creators are not seeing that money you know mm-hmm. it, all that stuff starts to sink in and then like you were yeah. saying all the all the um the whole ordeal with all the like the visual effects houses and how they're right. being so overworked and their quality of life is terrible, but we got to get Thor love and thunder out. It's going to look like shit. We got to put it out for some reason. Yeah. It's very strange. It's very strange. And it is, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's 
unfortunate because they do get such talented people involved. I mean, obviously, they're able to drop big bags with dollar signs on them in front of any actor mm-hmm. that they want you know, sure. to be in these films. Every time they announce a film, even if it's something I might not be invested in, there's usually someone involved either in front or behind the camera that I'm like, okay, that person's involved. I'm at least invested in that. And of course, like I said, the biggest problem is that they all sort of end up feeling and looking the same to me. Um, Absolutely. And like that, which again has no, no, that's never been a part of the comics. And again, I, I know I feel like I'm contradicting myself by saying the film shouldn't be an exact copy of what the comics are. Cause you can't do that. But the, again, the joy of reading comics is there's different artists drawing it. So Thor doesn't look the same every time you pick up a Thor comic or pick him, see him in the Avengers. There's always gonna be a different take. And that's what I've always liked is seeing different people interpret these characters. And I just wish they took more chances with that stuff. So, right. Because they do yeah. take like, they, they take Thor and put him in like an eighties, like yeah. heavy metal vest. And it's like, that's not the kind of different feel we're talking about. And it's not a goofy <laughs> right. slapstick comedy that we're talking about. It's like, there's a, there's a sheen and a digital glow to all of it that all makes it look yes. the same. Whereas like yes. you look at the DC films and like the Batman cannot be any different than suicide squad Absolutely. or Aquaman yeah. cannot be any different from, I, I got nothing. Justice League? Question mark. I don't know. Shazam. Um, it's like they 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 at least look and feel different. Another thing that is really lacking from this Phase Four post End Game situation is like there's not one new character or that I would mm-hmm. follow to the ends of the earth like I would Chris Evans as Captain America or exactly. Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. And it's like yeah. we have potential here, and yeah, we had ten years to warm up to, to these characters, but like. I don't give a shit about Black Knight at all. Like, I just don't care. No. I, who has ever cared about Black Knight? Like, if you have, I'm sorry. If I don't mean to alienate sorry. you, please write in and tell me, like, what that's all about. But, like, yeah. I, I, and I just don't, I don't want to be, like, overly negative because it's, like, they're still yeah. f- fun to watch. I, they're not really, though. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not having a good time when I go see Marvel movies anymore. And I think that's why... Multiverse of Madness yeah. was such a quote unquote breath of fresh air because it was insane. And it like, mm-hmm. I remember you leaning over during when we saw Infinity Infinity War and the part where Thor goes to forge uh, Stormbreaker. Yes, uh, yeah. and you're like, you're like, this is what I'm all about right here. Is this dumb? Exactly. This dumb comic book shit. And it's like, yeah, there's some dumb comic book shit in this stuff, and that's like the best part. But like, it can't all be dumb comic book shit. You know what I mean? Right. We need to care there's- about what's going on i went back and i just to like feel something about the the mcu again i went back and i watched like iron man one man there's more attempt to attach you to this character in the first five minutes of this than there has been in the past three years since endgame you know what i mean there's just more more attempt to endear you to this character in the in the opening half hour than there is in all of phase four that is really interesting because like i remember when iron man came out i've never liked iron man i've no, never found that did. character even remotely interesting but they somehow managed to make get me invested in it and like i feel like they're like oh we did it with that we'll just do it with every character as long as we put this character on the screen some fan of that character is already going to be you know invested and it's like well that doesn't always work the way you have to have the right lightning in a bottle of the right actor and the right f- script and the right story right. to get people invested right which it, I think is a, the biggest testament to it is I've always loved Spider-Man. And even if I'm not reading Spider-Man comics regularly, I always get excited to see him show up in something. Every once in a while, I'll like grab a random issue of Spider-Man just to like see the character. I've always liked the character. And I, I do not care about the MCU version of Spider-Man. And if they can't make me care about a character that I've liked since I was a, you know six years old, like something's not clicking. You know what I mean? And I, yeah, I, I think... That's been the biggest problem for me is like once Endgame wrapped up, I'm like, all right, now we know we got Spider-Man and uh, Doctor Strange films. Those are characters I really like. And I've, I've never felt a connection to those versions of the characters as much as I like the actors playing them. Something about those movies and the story is just not working for me. Yeah. Doctor Strange is has always been a little off. I just he's very off putting. And I know that's like part of his character. I get that that's supposed to be part of like, he's very curmudgeonly and snide and like, that's your varsity guy. That's like your, your, (laughs) yeah, that's your ranking Avenger. I don't know. I know these things, these movies and these shows bring people a lot of joy. And I'm not really at the heart of what's going, what we're talking about here is like, I'm trying to figure out how the MCU can get its groove back. Right now their solution seems to be just throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and call it the multiverse saga. (laughs) And like, we can always secret wars it back to one storyline. And it's like, how about we just like, don't do that. 
Like, how about yeah. we just stick simple? Let's get the X-Men and the Fantastic Four in here, please. Let's just yeah, do exactly. it. Stop drawing it out. <laughs> so, I don't know. I kind of wanted to go through real quick. I don't want to just, like, go through and shit on all the movies and shows in no. Phase 4. I kind of want to go through and go through the movies in Phase 4 so sure. far and yeah. kind of see where you're at on them. Okay? Okay. Okay, Black Widow. Uh, let's 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 have some. Uh, let's think of something like Marvely. Uh, let's say if you like it, say Excelsior. If you didn't like it, let's say no prize. That's we'll say no prize. Um, no prize. Okay. <laughs> Okay, it's Excelsior or no prize, no prize for these movies. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> well, there's got to right. be something in the middle. Again, there's got to be something in the middle because again, I remember sitting in the theater watching Black Widow. I'm like, this is fine, and I could tell you nothing about what happened in the film. As soon as I walked out of the theater, it like drifted away from my memory. Like it's it's almost like I didn't see it. It's instant amnesia because I walked out of the theater. So <laughs> how about okay? So I, I have it. I have it now. How about okay. Excelsior? If you liked it, no prize. If it was decent and like me or mediocre, or just didn't have it feeling either way or like feed it to galactus oh god how about, perfect how about that is that good does that work negative zone negative zone. negative negative zone. <laughs> send it to the negative zone all right um okay black widow uh that's a no prize it was fine yeah yeah definitely no prize i like the beginning yeah. as and then as soon as they got to like the cg showdown i was like i'm out Oof. uh yep. shang chi and the legend of the ten rings no prize uh i again i really liked it the setup but those last 40 minutes of the movie, I couldn't tell you exactly what was happening at all. So yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, it turned into like Dragon Ball Z at the end. Oof, yeah. Um, uh, Eternals, uh, straight to the negative zone. Don't pass. Go. <laughs> yeah. You got, I feed mean, it, again, feed it to Galactus, feed it to Galactus. It's, it, it sucked. Um, it was so joyless, empty and empty. You're scraping the absolute bottom of the barrel. You're broken through the bottom of the barrel when you're like your big reveal in the mid credit sequence is fucking Star Fox and Pip. Get out of here. Sorry. And then Black Knight at the, in the yeah, second exactly. one Ugh. and Blade off screen. And people were like, huh? No one gives a shit about Star Fox. Uh, so Eternals, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, I'll say Excelsior. I mean, I, again, I've, I just said how much those Spider-Man movies I couldn't connect with. Yeah. But it was it was enjoyable. I, I liked seeing the old Spider-Mans come back and all that. So it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I think Excelsior in the theater, no prize at home. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, Excelsior. I had a blast in the theater watching it. The movie, the moments you could tell they let Sam Raimi be Sam Raimi were worth sitting through the whole movie. So. I think just Doctor Strange corpse zombie zombie corpse alone is Excelsior. Exactly. So Thor Thor Love and Thunder. Gee, I wonder what you're going to say about this one. I made it through the first hour, and that's Galactus <laughs> lunch right there. Okay. Yeah, he just he just cut you off. It was like allow, allow me. And then you know the last movie movie that's left in Phase Four is Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, which I think honestly looks incredible. I'm really excited for it, man. I don't know. I th- it's you know, and then you know we already kind of. Uh, litigated what we felt about the TV show. So I'm not going to go through those, yeah. but it's like out of seven movies, one and a half are good. I don't mm-hmm. know. It just seems it, like I said, it just that, that quality control level that they had for so long. It just mm-hmm. seems like they're just kind of like taking this like victory lap post end game. And it's just not working out for them. I just don't know. I'm not sure. End game should, it should have just ended with end game to be honest with Absolutely. you. It should have, been, yeah. should have just been done. What out of the things that are announced coming out excites you the most? Um, well, obviously, I mean, obviously the, um, the Black Panther sequel, which you just mentioned. Yeah. I mean, yep, it's not out great. yet. Um, I, again, I'm a huge Ryan Coogler fan and very, very briefly, like the Black Panther movie was one of the rare examples where that movie really did sort of stand alone mm-hmm. and look and kind of feel different for the most part. Cause I remember, Definitely. so my dad, uh, has zero interest in these movies. He doesn't even know half these characters. He doesn't even like contemporary modern action films. And he went to go see that movie on a whim. And he was like, like, I remember him texting me after he saw the movies, like preface it by saying, you know, I don't like modern action movies. I have no connection to these characters, but I absolutely loved black Panther. I was like, well, that says a lot to the craft of the film and the story they're able to tell in that, that movie. So more of that, please. Yes. More Kugler. I think that will be fun. Yeah. Yeah, it looks great. Like Namor, I think looks incredible in it. I really that that trailer like leveled me. I don't know. Yes, just su- such a powerful trailer. As soon as that Kendrick verse from All Right kicked in, I was like, oh my god, they know exactly what they're doing right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and looking at the list you put together here, I'm I'm excited for Captain America: New World Order. I, I actually yeah. really like uh, Falcon, and I think they've been able to kind of do a nice thing with those Captain America movies where they do kind of feel like. 
you know, modern sort of political thrillers in a way yeah, while sure. being superhero action movies. So I've liked every Captain America movie. So I'm, I'm excited for this one too. Yeah. It's like uh like day of the condor, but with uh, tight suits on, you know, uh, <laughs> exactly. And yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm stoked on that one for the return of like Tim Blake Nelson as leader. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. They just, you know, with She-Hulk and now with uh leader coming back in this movie, it's like, Okay, they didn't give up on that Ed Norton Incredible Hulk movie. Okay, <laughs> so I see. I, yeah. I see what you're doing. I see it. I am looking forward to Loki season two. Loved season mm-hmm. one. Like, absolutely love it. I think Tom Hiddleston is like the casting of a lifetime. Again, a character that no one really gives a shit about is like everyone's <laughs> fucking favorite MCU character. I think Ironheart could be really cool. I don't know like anything about the hood, the, the villain in the movie. Um, Me neither, no. And then, um, you know... Jonathan Majors, you know, tying it back to Loki, Jonathan Majors as Kang. I love Kang. Uh, Carlos Magno and like Colin Kelly, Kang the Conqueror series, uh, like the origins okay. of Kang. Obviously yeah. ramping up the fact that Kang is going to be the new big bad Thanos in this in the multiverse saga. I, I'm really excited by that because he was fantastic at the end of Loki. And that wasn't even Kang yet. In that regard, I'm excited for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, the most insanely yes. named movie of all time besides <laughs> Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. The Madness yeah. um, I read a couple of descriptions of the trailers from D23 of that of Quantumania. And uh, hmm. he says to uh, Scott Lang at one point, he's like, have I killed you before? It all blends together. And I'm like, that's what I'm okay. fucking talking about. That's the kind of yeah. stuff I want. That's the kind of stuff we need back is like the big heavy dumb comic book stuff like the stuff that's yes. like mind-bending but also like just so sticky comic booky you know like i mm-hmm. i really i need stuff like that back we don't really have any of that currently jonathan majors as king i think is just like a home run and i think it's going to be really fun to see him wreak havoc throughout then we're getting stuff like thunderbolts where the thunderbolt <laughs> the, the thunderbolts team in the movie like does not compute like i just don't understand like if we have Abomination and we have Zemo, yeah, why, why is it a team of the Red Guardian, <laughs> Yelena Belova, U.S. agent, who at the end, at the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier was just like, oh, by the way, I'm good now. I know I just like cut right. a guy's. Right. I know I just cut a guy's head off with my shield, but like I'm cool now. We're cool, right? <laughs> I'm good. And then it's Ghost from Ant Man and the Wasp, and then you know, obviously, I love Bucky. I love Winter Soldier. Oh yeah. And then uh, I, you know, like Contessa Valentina, Allegra, De La Fontaine. That's not the Thunderbolts. That's like not yeah. what it's all about. Like, why isn't the think, abomination in it? Like, why isn't Zemo in it? I think that's really interesting because again, like you're you're counting on people that are familiar with that the Thunderbolts comic to be invested in the film. But like, the great thing about Thunderbolts when it started was that there were bad guys pretending to be good guys. Like, that's not what's happening with this lineup. You know, it feels like right. very divorced from what was so like engaging about that first kurt busick written thunderbolt series so i very briefly want to uh go back and talk about ant-man and the wasp because i always forget that movie's coming out i actually really like the ant-man and the wasp the previous film because i think that one was a film that did feel very low stakes yeah and kind of was disconnected and i could just enjoy it for you know paul rudd being funny and like that's fine like it it worked it's not the best movie. I don't think I've no. gone back to rewatch it, but I remember really enjoying it for reasons that I've not liked the other films. Yeah, the first one's and great, too. The first yeah, Ant-Man's really fun. I think they're really fun movies, uh, despite the fact that Tom Sharpling keeps getting cut out of all of these films. <laughs> He's already true? been cut out of the third one. Yes, he filmed <laughs> cameos for the first two. And then, yeah, he was he was informed on air on the best show a couple weeks ago by the director, uh why am I blanking on their name? Uh, Peyton Reed, that he's already been cut from Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. So. He's already gone. Sorry. He's already out of it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, we'll always have Greg Universe, you know? It's incredible, as incredible as you and me. I guess I'm content to be on the arm of someone who is as incredible as you. Getting a Secret Wars, getting a you know Avengers King Dynasty, it's like, let's get really wild with it. But I also just like, let's maybe... I, I don't know. I just need some characters to get introduced that I care about. Um, yeah. Maybe that maybe that's unfair because, like I said, we did we do have like a good what f- fourteen years now with the old characters <laughs> like yeah that that we've grown grown to love and you know obviously Captain America and Iron Man are not with us anymore. Black Widow is not with us anymore. I can't tell you a single. I, 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 that's a lie. Kate Bishop, I love. 
Um, and <laughs> Yelena Belova, I really love. Maybe those characters can bring it around for us. I mean, okay, I'm full of shit. I like Don Cheadle still. I like you know, War, War Machine is like whatever, but I love Don Cheadle, and I do, I do like Falcon and I, as yeah, new Captain America. Yeah. That outfit did not translate well from page to screen, but no, like, no. Um, <laughs> it's still it's still cool that that we got there, and um, that movie is going to be cool. So there's there's yeah. hope. What would you what would you say in in closing is what would inject some new life into the MCU for you? I've always liked the Fantastic Four as a concept, even though I've never been a regular reader of it. But I think those characters are so interesting and they would really lend... If you want to talk about a characters that lend themselves to over-the-top ridiculous comic book nonsense, like Reed mm-hmm. Richards is right there. Um, oh, yeah. Like, as soon as he starts talking about you know the ultimate nullifier... And you could have the watcher show up and be treated seriously rather than just like a little like cameo. Mm-hmm. Like you can do so much with those characters. Just the problem is how do you introduce established characters into this MCU that's already a thing? You know what I mean? So I'm cautiously optimistic about Fantastic Four. I think those characters, again, especially Ben Grimm, who's might be my very favorite Marvel character, if that's handled well yeah. and introduced well, I'd be very, very happy to have a really good Fantastic Four movie. Do you have anybody that you would like to play Ben Grimm? Um, that's the problem. Like, I hate doing fan casting like that because okay, we don't have to whatever whatever work. I think the best casting are the ones that always feel not quite right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I never it, would never would have picked Chris Evans to be Captain America, but he defined that character so well. You know, like I, I so I'm always hesitant to do those type of castings. Sure, a, a fair. A very fair Jay's Lee answer, I would say. <laughs> um, I, and it's like, I know um, you, uh, we, we both are like kind of lukewarm on the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Um, yeah. I, I think it's cool that we're going to get Adam Warlock and um, like yes. the High Evolutionary yeah. in this next one. So that could lend itself to some really like this one above all is the supreme ruler of the of the multiverse, right? So we could <laughs> get like real wild stuff like that and hopefully treat it in like, a way it's not disposable like Eternity was in Love and Thunder. Sure. Uh, we, don't have, we don't have time to dwell on that, but um, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think I think Fantastic Four being cast perfectly and like Matt Shackman, who did WandaVision, is directing that now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think a really good Fantastic Four movie could pull me right back in too. I think so, and also just the X Men man, just get them in there. <laughs> I'm not one of these like freaks that's just like yelling on pe- them on their, on their social media every day, like bring the X Men in, but it's like. I need it, man. I just need it. I just need, and I don't want Taron Egerton as Wolverine. I can't do it. I can't deal with that. <laughs> do it. No. He's a he's a fine actor. He's a talented person. I just can't. I can't deal with him as Wolverine. I just can't do it. Um, Look, as so, I I still remember the first issue of Wizard magazine I bought, and they fan cast Glenn Danzig as Wolverine. And I've wanted it. that for the past <laughs> I don't know twenty whatever years. I wanted that. Paul, I I had that very same episode that very same issue of wizard and I felt the same way. Cause I think it's like, it does, does not get much better than that. So no. Glenn Danzig for Wolverine. I think that's, that's a good, I think that's a good spot to wrap it up. Sorry if this was an overly negative, it's kind of like a therapy uh, therapy session. We just needed to talk it out because we want to like this stuff. Like, yeah, exactly. And, and there again, I I don't want to step on your, your the point you're going to make, but I do want no. to say like, by and large, I do like this stuff. I wouldn't keep going to the theaters if I wasn't invested on some level. It's just I want to see films that I'm excited to talk about and excited to rewatch. And so far, the past couple of years has not been the case for me. Sure, the concept of chasing the high of like Cap grabbing the hammer again is worth it to yeah. go. Because exactly. that was such a defining and just fun. And I was I would watch that video clip like every day during the high pandemic times of like lockdown yeah. just to feel something, you know, like I was just like, <laughs> right. yeah. remember, remember when we used to like be a society and like it, have joy in our lives. And it's just like, experiences, it's, yeah. it's just something I'll never forget. And yeah. the, the concept of chasing that, maybe that's what's holding it back is the, looking for that again, but it's just not going to mm-hmm. be there again like that. But sure the idea of ever getting to that point again is very exciting to me. And I hope it gets back there because it is, like you said, it's everything we ever wanted since we were kids. And I don't want to, uh, you know, look a gift horse in the mouth, but I mean, um, I I'm, I'm happy if, uh, Jennifer Walters twerking with Megan the stallion is our new 
That's kept it, picking man. up Mjolnir. That might be the defining moment for us because I did like that. I, lo- I mean, I loved it. It's, it was perfect. Yeah, that's where it ends. That's that's the actual end game. That's it. Yeah. We did it. Um, well, cool, Paul. Thanks for joining me again. Tell people where you can, they can they can hear more about your uh, very intelligent comic book breakdowns. <laughs> yes, uh, you can listen to I Read Comic Books. We have new episodes that drop everywhere you can find podcasts. Every Wednesday, we talk about comics we've read, comics we're excited about. It is a very positive uh, experience, uh, more sort of joyful than maybe this episode was. So yeah, it's very positive. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> we also have, we're all over social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, on on TikTok at IRCB Podcast. We also have a Patreon, which I want to plug because I co-host a movie series over there that John was a guest on a few episodes ago. We talk about comic book related films. You can find that and more Patreon exclusive shows at patreon.com slash IRCB Podcast. And while you're on there, check out Paul's Batman series, Building a Better Batmobile. That's right. If you want to hear me talk about Batman for hours and hours and hours, there you go. Speaking of a joyful experience, Paul Paul talking about Batman is about as joyful as it gets. So, Oh, thank you, John. Sorry for such a downer episode. I don't think we usually have to do this here, but it, it needed to happen. Now let's head into our largely spoiler-free conversation about Andor with Mark Johnson. There are some spoilers tagged in here and there just because we were so manic and uh, off the dome and just, just drifting off of Andor vibes. So if you are spoiler-averse or if you haven't seen Andor yet, maybe just skip the last part of this podcast. But we don't really go too in-depth, just mostly... Uh, Talking about how fucking good Andor is. I don't know. Uh, But without further ado, yeah, here's Mark and I's conversation about Andor. And we're back talking about the three episode premiere of Andor that released today on Disney Plus. This is a very uh, run and gun style recording session about Andor. I don't really have anything prepared. I was just going to wait and talk about it this weekend since our Star Wars correspondent, Stephanie Cole, was not available until this weekend to record. But it's just a show that needs to be talked about, even on a vibes only level. So uh, surrogate Stephanie for this recording is Good Times Hat himself, Mark Johnson. Welcome back. Hey, it's me, Mr. Good Times Hat. Thanks <laughs> Did for you having bring me. your Good Times Hat this time? Yeah, I I can I I think so. I can barely think right now. <laughs> uh, we got we we got Mark right after he watched the episode three, so he might be a little dazed. Actually, put on your Bad Times Hat because the show is kind of a bummer, but it's also amazing. So yeah, but um, like that's why it rules. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, the first three episodes, like I said, premiered today. The show is created and written by Tony Gilroy, directed by Toby Haynes. These episodes star Diego Luna, Stellan Scotchgard, uh, Adria Arjona, Kyle Soler, and Fiona Shaw. Everyone in this show is killing it. I just I just want to say that up top, that everyone up in the show is incredible, amazing, like London repertory theater type actors that are just crushing even the smallest roles. But I have a question for you, Mark. Yeah. Is Andor too good? <laughs> is too you know, good? this is a question that I've been asking myself for the last 20 minutes since I finished it. And I feel like it's been an eternity. Oh yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's, I had to think about it for a minute, but like, I think actually being too good. I mean, that's a net positive, right? And what does that even mean anyways? But like, it doesn't make sense to me that I just watched a star Wars show. That's that that's, that's the genius of it is that it's written and created by someone that like, you know, is aware and familiar and likes Star Wars, and is, but kind of just cares about the script and the and the story and the characters over anything. And it's this amazing hard boiled like noir that turns into a war film that just happens to be in the Star Wars universe. And it's this really bizarre, deep, deep Star Wars lore. You and yes. I are, are fanatics, and it's just this new stuff where I'm like, wait, wait, what are they talking about? <laughs> like, what is this? Like a sect, like a corporate sector, like a hired guns of the Empire, like level? Um, okay, it started, and I was like, okay, we're in like the red light district in Amsterdam. So, yeah, oh, the blue light I, are district. We, are we not supposed yeah. to do spoilers? I forgot. I'm sorry. I'm excited. Yeah, it, it's, it, this is just like one of the most slap, slapdash and or reviews you're going to hear. I just wanted to, to, anything you think of that you want to say in the time you have, go for it. It started and I was like, 
Okay, so I just got done watching Edge Runners, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, which is also real dope, and I love Cyberpunk. Sure. And it, and I was like, wait, 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 is this just the Cyberpunk show? Yeah, is that the uh, Trigger uh, anime? Yes. yes. And then it kept going, and it was like all noir real out of bounds from what I think people expect from Star Wars, their show for children. And then, like, dude, it's just a mess, and it's great. <laughs> yes. yes, Andor, Cassie and Andor is a real dirtbag, uh, a real a real sloppy bitch in the show, and I love that for him. He cannot resist offing people in alleyways. He can't stop. He can't stop himself from doing it. Yeah, a really lovely callback to the progression of him from this show to Rogue One. But at the same time, it's just like, man, he just cannot resist murdering people in alleyways. I guess. Um, you know what's cool about that is. So, like, we know where his journey ends, right? Because we've all right. seen Rogue One. I'm assuming yep. if you're listening to this, you've seen Rogue One. Mm-hmm. He doesn't actually ever, like, become a hero or a good guy. He just gets really good at doing what he is sort of naturally inclined to do, which is, like, being a total asshole and a murderer for a cause he really believes in. Absolutely. In a survivor. Which is super cool. Like, he doesn't ever turn into Han Solo or, like, he just stays Andor, which is kind of like, dude, you're sort of an asshole. Like, everybody kind of hates you. But he just gets really good at it. <laughs> well, yeah, and, he, and he, finds, he finds a cause and something to believe in that he can hitch his wagon to. You know, that's just it's – just, it just so happens that, you know, like, that Luthen and uh, Bix and everyone is, like, kind of, like, um, scouting him out for this – makeshift rebellion that's forming and we're going to get into all the details and all the all the nooks and crannies of the show um at a later date it's this we're, this is just literally like top level vibes only po- uh, podcast so it's just like just whatever's coming coming into our heads and i just really love i listened earlier to a, um an interview with tony gilroy about this show and here's where i think the difference of this show and all the other shows so far which have been like really up and down for me but also like the difference here is that Tony Gilroy said himself, he was like, any actor that came on, no matter what they were doing, if they're like selling like space wrap meat on the side of the road or like are part of the empire, he's like, treat it like a Ken Loach movie, like treat it as serious as you possibly can. And, and, and I think that's a really nice like callback to how, you know, a new hope was created with like, there's all, you know, Harrison Ford, like famously saying like, none of this makes any sense, George, like, you want us to say what, and it's just complete nonsense, but delivered with like emotion and just like raw intensity. And I think that's really besides all the amazing effects and uh, on location shoots and like practical effects in the show. I think that's really, I'm not trying to put the other shows down by, by saying that this is doing this better, but like these, the actors in like Kenobi and like partially in Mandalorian and, and a lot in Boba Fett were like, I'm in a star Wars thing. There are no there are no actors in Andor. There's just the characters. Yeah, it's I'm in the world. I'm just in the world, and it's yeah. and it's really it's really disorienting to be in a part of a Star Wars to be to be in a world in Star Wars that you really have no connection to or like really any idea what's going on. It's very unmooring and very disorienting, um, and I really love that effect that it has. I love the like children, like the Lord of the Flies style. Yep. like tribe that uh, Casa or, you know, Cassian Casa as a child grew up uh-huh. in everything developing there is just really exciting and, and fun to see how that develops. You know, and again, we'll get way more into the timeline of that and what's going on in that planet, et cetera, um, on our next and or episode, but man, it's just Mark. It's so good. Um, there's like no, I mean, to follow up on what you said, and, and I'm probably just going to say the same thing you said in my words, there's no star Wars in it. And that makes it so good. Because, like, Star Wars rules. All the stuff we love about Star Wars rules. But I feel like every time I watch a Star Wars anything, at the end of it all, they're like, and here's what it all means. And it's like, somehow it connects back to, you know, one of the trilogies. And you're like, oh, that's why there's this thing in that movie. And, like, we, we've all probably read a million articles about how, like, Star Wars is just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And this, like, blows the doors off that. Oh, absolutely. And it's just like... Here's a bunch of Star Wars. It's stuff that you recognize, but if it had been called like, you know, Galactic Battles and it was a new IP, it would still just be like a top tier show. 
yes, star spies or like right. something like that. It would right. just be like, oh, this is really cool. Um, and the fact because... that it's set in Star Wars, but you don't have even even like okay, so even the bad guys aren't really bad guys. And there's this whole layer of like like colonialism. Absolutely, is, yeah. They're leading into like way harder than Star Wars has ever done. So like the thing about like none of the actors. I'm just babbling because my brain is still yeah, not that's, fully that's working. Yeah, that's why. That's why I wanted you to jump on because <laughs> I think it's great to capture the uh, the like what the fuck did I just watch a- aspect of yeah being I got fresh like, off Andor. So I got like halfway through it and I realized like I'm not watching like Diego Luna or Stellan Scotchgard or like particularly all the the supporting actors. Like these are all just characters. Like these are people in this world. And like at a certain point, it didn't even matter to me that like it was a Star Wars world. I was just like fully invested in who these people were and what they were doing yeah, and exactly. on their planet. And like it's kind of presented as like it's really interesting too with this planet because the the culture of the planet is like real middle of the road. Star Wars tends to lean into extreme, lean into extremes, right? Like it's it's like real hard scrabble, down on your luck, awful planet, or it's like super rich people. Right. doing rich people things or it's like this whole planet is just crime their, their planets kind of represent neighborhoods and this was just like blue collar chicago like just yeah, normal totally. people this is living normal lives they're not hard up they're working hard but like you know they got nice houses but they're not fancy they're just good and they have food and they like have yeah. a social life they're just normal people and you yeah, don't really is, ever see that this is weird like new jersey suburb planet yes. yeah uh, it's it's totally like you you know when 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 luthan is on that shuttle um going to meet cassian for the first time you're like everyone on that shuttle has an interior life it just everything everyone's moving doing something mid-motion on the right. way out the door packing something up brushing their teeth writing a note everyone's moving while they're talking which is like a very tony gilroy thing to do i'm sure there's like a eight million stage directions in the script but like it's very, if you've seen like Michael Clayton, I mean, obviously in Born Legacy, there's a lot of moving around. It would yeah. be a Born movie without a lot. There's just, what if there was like no moving around in the Born Legacy? It's very still, very process oriented. It's it's very like kinetic. And the Star Wars is, the Star Wars-ness of it is almost, it's like secondary. It's so, it's so bizarre because we've just kind of been just kind of force-fed nostalgia from Star Wars lately. I really, I'm not trying to be negative on it because there's, like I said, like Mandalorian is something that I just cannot wait for it to return. Book of Boba Fett was up and down for me. Obi-Wan Kenobi was up and down for me. And I know we're only three episodes into Andor, but it's just like, wow, okay, maybe this is a Star Wars that grew up with my tastes. Now, I don't want to say it's like Star Wars for adults or it's like Star Wars on HBO, but it's true. But it's like, it's also like, okay, it's good that we have the Star Wars buffet laid out for people and you can just put a little bit on your plate or whatever you want, you know? And I think Andor is just like the mac and cheese at the end of the buffet that I'm just loading up on right now because it's like, (laughs) it's, it's the taste that I'm going for right now. It's like, I, it's just this real hard boiled, almost like Blade Runner ish intensity of, of desperation and doom and gloom. And then just like righteous skyrocketing hope at the end of the third episode and man, that the end of that third episode, we'll keep this largely spoiler spoiler free. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've watched it by now. But the end of that third episode is probably the last ten minutes, five like five to ten minutes of that episode are like instantly in my top ten favorite Star Wars moments ever. Um, yeah, that whole like the, the I'll just say the chase scene that plays out and the build yeah. up to it. I was like, man, they are just completely in control of what they're doing with this. This vision is clear. Um, and I even heard like Tony Gilroy talking about how. Star Wars used to be, he said, really Calvinist, which I really loved. Of like, <laughs> there's there are no knives. There are there is no paper that you. No one's wearing underwear. This this cannot be because he had all these ideas for Rogue One. And he's like the they've really laid back with it to try to make it new and bring it into this new generation. And I think this is just like what they should be doing now. I think this is kind of like what people our age want from star Wars without getting into like the fandom menace part of things. But like, I just want a star Wars that acknowledges that adults watch it too, you know, and it's obviously made for children as well. But like, I, I really just really love the fact that star Wars can still please everybody and, and, and go into the future with us as well. I was thinking about that a little bit with like 
you know, you and I have been talking video games back and forth a little bit. And it's like, yeah, we're the first generation that like really grew up with video games. And it's like, kind of was known as this like dorky nerdy thing to do and now it's like one of the most mainstream things you can possibly do and it's kind of grown up with us and the games and the intensity and the maturity of them has grown up i mean relatively you know what i'm saying but like yeah star wars is allowed to do the same thing where it's like you can introduce themes that aren't just like good and bad in and redemption and found family and it's obviously those are all major facets of star wars but like we can do it in exciting new ways that feel tactile and real and just happen to exist with a tie fighter in the background as well and right. i just think it's i just think it's amazing i think the redemption thing is really interesting and the idea of like grayer heroes um i'm very much a like i like my hero stories black and white i always yeah. have and i always will i think gray stories are interesting but i get really tired of them after a while like comic books have been running this trope for like 15 years of like the evil superman what if superman goes bad like, yeah, well, that would suck. And like, I don't want my seven-year-old to read that. Like, yeah. I'm, tired of, I'm tired of reading it as an adult. Uh, so I, I always get a little bit gun-shy at like that sort of like more ambiguity in things that have always been black and white. But mm-hmm. I think it makes for an interesting case here because you get, you start to deal with like, I mean, Andor is, he's obviously a hero and he does the right thing in the moral co- like construct of Star Wars. Because of intent, not action. Right. And I think that's really cool. Is like to do the ends justify the means. Yeah. Like I think a lot about Cassian in Rogue One about to shoot Galen. Yeah. And she comes down and like Jin finds out for the first time that that was the mission. And he's like, did I do it? And she's like, well, no, but like the point is you were going to, he's like, I could have pulled that trigger a thousand times and I didn't do it. Like, I think that that's, learning about more of that conflict inside Cassian, uh, the way we learn about the conflict inside Vader and the conflict inside Luke, but just as like a regular boots to the ground person that doesn't have any like space wizard powers is just like, it's so fun. I, th- I just think it's like, it's just or like, I knew from the streetlights just like waving past the screen at the beginning. I was like, okay, this is going to rule. And then yep. as soon as he shoots that guy in the face, I was like, we're good. <laughs> like we're, we're good. We're, um, yeah. this is the, the, the vision is clear. Let's do it. So, um, the timing of that was impeccable, right? Because they give the audience enough time in the way it's paced to come down from the realization of like, oh, he's going to shoot this guy. Right. And then the guy, there's that moment where if it was paced as we expected, he would have shot him. Right. And then, and then the dude starts talking and that goes on for like kind of a while. Yeah, yeah, he's pleading. You go, you go through a couple of those, like, oh, now he's gonna. Oh, I guess not. Oh, now he's gonna. I guess not. And then when he does do it, you're like, D- I somehow didn't see that coming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think that, I think, I think that's that's more the reason why I'm, I I knew we were in good hands. Not because I was like, oh yeah, it's a violent Star Wars. I don't want that. It's not that aspect. It's just that like keep you guessing character building moment of like, right. oh okay, I guess he's always really been like this. Um, I uh, I know you have to go, so I just I don't know if you want to if, if there's anything else you want to say about Andor or if yeah you formulated enough thoughts. Um, but. <laughs> I, I didn't. I never once thought to myself, "Oh, that's that's there's the volume, that's the volume." There's which no is, volume in this, which is glorious. I don't know. I, it's too early to to like judge if it's like too early to be using the volume because it's really an amazing technology and hundreds of creative people are responsible for its creation and implementation. I just think we went a little wild with it at first and then didn't really realize its restrictions until you saw the restrictions on screen during COVID and things like that. And it's like, cool. I think it's definitely the right direction for that technology and for the way that, you know, sci-fi and fantasy movies are made. Um, But man, it's just so good to see a completely like constructed town. Yes. It just feels so good in that first yes. shot where he's walking on the bridge where it's like that, you know, like that jewel tone blue rain soaked Vista. You're like, yep. wow, this is like, this looks incredible. It looks so good. Um, We've yeah. seen enough volume at this point that we recognize the camera movements and uh, pacing and editing and cuts that are missing because right. we're watching the volume. Right. And it changes. Uh, like how kinetic something feels sure. and slows everything down. Very true. Um, 
through no fault of the people who created it. Like they do totally, a great job. Totally. It's yeah. Like it's, that's it's, the I think it's of fair to be critical of it. It's like when the, the prequels went like all in on CG, but they weren't, we weren't like quite at that point yet, yeah. you know? And it's like, there's, there's no going back and it pushed things forward for sure. But and you got to use it at some point. Um, I think a lot about um, Gemini man. I don't think a lot about the movie Gemini man. I think about the making of that movie, the, uh, how it was that crazy frame rate because, you know, Ang Lee's like at a point in his life where he's just like, you know, I don't need my movies to be like blockbuster, amazing movies. I'm just trying to push the medium forward. So right. I think there's just a point where you have to like try things to push, to push things into the future. And the, the volume is definitely that. And I'm sure it's, it's already improving and they're using it in like house of the dragon and things like that. And it looks great. I think there's just, there's obviously limitations that, that are shown when you get into old school, traditional filmmaking like this it's a film right. you know it's like we're all over the place it's okay Andor's completely hijacked our brains yeah uh i loved the black hole robot part two he was oh awesome. my gosh so great uh b2 emo is his name yeah. i'm not even joking i love it he's great he's got a little stutter just like me it's great and the, i think we got a stutter sometimes the yeah, uh the idea that he can only do certain things like he's got an energy budget and like different yeah, things take different. I was like, of course, like that actually makes a lot of sense and is really yeah. cool. Processing <laughs> power, right? You can't yes. tell two lies at once. Otherwise yes. it's going to zap all his energy. Uh, I forget the character's name, but the ship at the end that what's, who does, what's the name of the character that Scotch guard plays? Skarsgård. Uh, Luthen rail. So his ship is really interesting because one, it's really cool looking. Two, it's styled like an Imperial ship. But it's a very heroic imperial ship with a lot of echoes of the Millennium Falcon in it, and I just thought that was like a real neat touch. Like these are your heroes, but they're maybe not super heroic, and we're going to reflect that in this guy's ship. Yeah, yeah, really great point. I never even thought about that. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> there's too much to process. Um, <laughs> I I think yeah, that's a great point. Have you seen the the trailer where it has like the um, the lasers on the side. So when it does a barrel roll, it like takes out two TIE fighters with lasers that like, no, come out, like cool. lightsabers on the side. I yeah. watched no trailers. Cause I was oh, like, this, I watched I, I the spoiled teaser. You. I spoiled fine. you on the non-spoiler podcast. I don't um, mind. I watched the teaser and was like, yeah, I'm in. And then I just stopped watching anything because <laughs> rogue one was so good. I just wanted to go in clean. Yeah. That's going to be good. I I've, I've been teased. Um, I think Fiona Shaw as Marva is, I think she's an incredible character. Very excited to see Mon Mothma come back. I really love Bix, Kayleen. Um, she's wonderful. Um, that, was that his uh, mechanic friend? Yeah, that's that's, that's Adria Arjona. Um, she was great. Was, she's wonderful. Every everyone in the show is firing on all cylinders. They're so incredible. I just really think that you know, special shout out to Fiona Shaw as Marva, though her like Cassian's like caretaker. She's she's intensely amazing. Let's all get a Bantha plushie for the side of our bed and. Uh, get excited for more Andor coming out. I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to ask this question every time we record an Andor episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you think there, there will be a single lightsaber in this show? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me to design, a, like if it was a theme park, if I could make an Andor ride, what would it be? <laughs> you're like, <laughs> you're like, picture this T-Rex with uh, blood, blood filled balloons. I'm like, all right. Let's call back some Star Wars too. Jurassic Park episode. <laughs> uh, I, you know, no. If everything that I've like you just mentioned to me about Tony Gilroy is true, and I read everything, and he basically was like, "Listen, I love Star Wars. Star Wars. I'm not going to write a Star Wars show. I'm just going to write a really good show, and I'm not beholden to like what fans want out of Star Wars because that will make the show bad. Everybody else that has written the new Star Wars show, please take note. I don't think that they will. I'm going to say no. My only thought for why there might be is because it's such a dry Jediless existence. You know, and I was noticing about this about Rogue One as well, that like it's like the anti-Jedi movie. It's like they're using the sacred Kyber crystal as a way to like thumb their nose at the Jedi, basically. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. this thing that was so sacred to you, fuck it. We're melting it down and creating a planet killer with it. Fuck you guys. Yeah. That's what they said in the movie, right? That's what Krennic yeah, said. That's, fuck you guys. It was the speech that Jin uh, Jin's dad gave her <laughs> right before she ran away. <laughs> <laughs> We should be writing Star Wars movies. He um, was a real weird dude. I thought maybe there, there might be some sort of like piles of light, like old unignited lightsabers that they're like harvesting Kyber out of or just like melting down the lightsabers of just like here's, here's in, what's in, gonna in happen. a mechanical fashion. I have, this is my prediction. There isn't going to be a lightsaber. 
Okay. There might be a Jedi. Okay. Andor's going to be in the middle of something, and there's going to be a Jedi on the run, and Andor and the Jedi is going to be like, I'll help you, and they're going to get into a sticky sitch, and Andor can complete his mission or save the Jedi, and he's going to let the Jedi die and complete his mission. Ooh, I love that. I mean, yes, please. That's what that's that's how I can see them throwing it in. I, I'm not gonna lie, if they if it ends with like some Jedi stuff, I'm gonna be pretty sad because one, I don't think it needs it. Two, my favorite Star Wars stuff is all like Rogue One, Clone Wars, Clone Troopers, Bounty Hunters. Like I could watch non Jedi Star Wars for twenty years and be perfectly satisfied. I thought I needed a good force heavy storyline to enjoy a Star Wars thing, but I'm I just I, I'm loving Andor so much that like, who knows where it's going to go and, and which yeah. twists and turns it's going to take. I don't. I I tend to agree that there's not going to. I think it's going to be a very forceless series just because of the time period we're in, um, and how how bleak and dire this time period is for the galaxy. I just can't wait to see what happens next. Thank you for hopping on real quick, and uh, I'm trying to put you right on the spot, but I think that your your Andor love propelled you through. So. It was like it was either this or like go get a cigarette, like and, stuff. <laughs> and I don't need to do that. So that's how I'm going to handle the podcast from now on. Is I'm just going to like, just like you need to smoke a cigarette while we're talking, just to slow it down. It's like I don't even smoke, and I finished that and was like, I need a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll just share one, like in uh, better, like Kim and in Saul and Better Call Saul. Yeah, um, perfect. Cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, dude. If you like what you heard today, follow us at B1N1Pod on Instagram. Follow us, rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. We'll read it on the show. The ones that you've left so far have meant a lot. So thank you so much for doing that. Make sure to ring the bell and rate us five stars on Spotify so that you get every new episode plastered all over your home screen and your lock screen when it comes out. Thank you to Christian Kramo for our theme song. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.